Thank you for those of you who joined us with the conference of Jesus Matters. Most of the guests got arrested last night while preaching in front of the mayor's house, so they already texted me and said it probably would happen, so they'll be with us today at 11 a.m., so even if you are not able to be here, make sure you tune in live to watch what they did. They stood up for our police. They stood up for our uh, businesses. They stood up to the mayor and said, we've got to let you know what the Word of God says. So can we just bless the Lord for those who took that risk for us to let them know, to let let her know and let the others know that this is not going to be our uh, the Christian's agenda. We're going to stand against it. And isn't it something how when her house really just kept getting protested and protested, then the protests weren't cute anymore. Then she had to lock down her street. Well, why not just do that for every street? Why not do that for Michigan Avenue and so forth? And so we need to even pray for those aldermen that are now standing up against her going, hey, enough is enough. Uh, so there are are aldermans that are now challenging her lawfully for her power to be revoked, for federal troops to come, or what I like to say, just let the police do their job. <laughs> let the boys and w- the men and women of bl- in blue do their jobs, and I'm sure they'll do a wonderful job. Uh, today, I'm going to be tag teaming with a preacher that I'll be introducing in just a moment, and uh, it's going to be exciting, but I want you to open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. Because I've met a lot of powerful evangelists during this time, and I had to make sure that they got to preach with me. So they'll be preaching one with me this morning and the other in uh, the 11 a.m. service. John 15, our subject today is faithful and fruitful. Somebody say faithful and fruitful. Thank you. If you've been around uh, me for a while, you have heard me talk about this. This is a one-liner. I love to use it. I did not come up with it, so I don't get the credit, but I have been using this one-liner for a while. I've probably preached the message that's been titled this about 10 times already. You've probably heard the title, but it's not just about the title. It's about the impact of these verses, and it's about us catching it and living it out, and every time I preach it, God gives me something new. I think there was a saying about John Wesley. said, I don't feel comfortable unless I've preached a message 20 or 30 times. And he was a circuit riding preacher, not to the same people, but he would preach it over and over again. But even in this church, it's pretty good that I preach things 10 to 15 times, I guess, because sometimes people don't remember. Amen. Uh, Sometimes I don't remember things. It's good to have a, a, a remembrance and encouragement, a repetition. But let's go to John chapter 15, verse one. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Amen. Jesus speaking, he says, I am the true vine. There are, are there a lot of vines in the world of, in the kingdom of God? No, there are not a lot of vines. I, I'm sorry if I tricked you. Are there a lot of false vines in the world? Yes. Are there a lot of uh, vines in the kingdom of God? No, there's only one vine. We are the branches. I'm still messing with some of you. I got to say this better this morning. <laughs> I even got the preacher saying the wrong thing. I got to make sure I'm saying this right here. How many vines are in the kingdom of God? One. The Bible says that we're the branches. So those that are already thinking ahead, there's only one vine, okay? There's only one vine. Are there a lot of false vines in the world? Yes, there are. But in the kingdom of God, there is only one vine. Are we all on the same page? Amen. Amen. 
I'll be gracious to the preacher because he had to bail him out of jail yesterday, or this morning, rather, because it went all the way to this morning. He said, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine. Just as he is the true vine, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by him. So track with his thinking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Let's go on this. How many gardeners are in the kingdom? (laughs) Okay, we're back to, to getting this together now. There's only one gardener in the kingdom of the of God, and it is the Father. Now, there may be a lot of supposed fathers or gods out in the world, but only one true gardener in the kingdom of God, which is the only kingdom, by the way, and that is God the Father. This is the doctrine of the Trinity. Jesus is equally God like the Father, but he is not the Father. Here's a great way to understand it. I can be a human, and you can be a human, and we can share in the human nature and have equality in the human nature, and at the same time, I could be subordinate to you or you be subordinate to me. So, for example, I am a pastor. I'm a human. Today, most of you are not pastors, but you are still human. You share in the human nature. I am not a different kind of human than you. But in the church, I have authority that you don't have. So Jesus and the Father both share the nature of God. They are equally God. They are separate persons that share the nature of God. In my example, where it, where it, can, uh, it stops and cannot continue is you and I do not share the same human nature. In the Trinity, they share the same divine nature. Do you understand the difference? You and I are similar because we both have human Human nature, that's what makes us similar, but we're not sharing the same nature. In the triunity of God, the Father and Son share the same nature as separate persons, and so the Father has the role of the gardener. He has authority over the Son from eternity past, and the Son willingly, joyfully, lovingly submits to the Father as the Son. But that does not mean that because the Son has a Father, that the Son submits to the Father that the father uh, that the son is the vine and that the father is the gardener that the son is not in nature equal with the father as god just as in our example just because i have a different authority doesn't mean i have a different nature than you does everybody see that because people always try to point out that the roles are different therefore the nature must be different They'll say like, well, if Jesus is God, then why does he say I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it? Does God have to wait around for anything? Well, the Son, as God, if he submits himself to the Father, he will wait around for the Father to do something because they're separate persons. And he knows what the Father's going to do because he knows the will of the Father. He has all the knowledge of the Father, all the power of the Father. He has everything the Father has, but he willingly waits on the Father. And then the Father and the Son, because this is John 15, in John 16, the Bible says the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would be that which dwells within us as God, the person who dwells within us as God is the Holy Spirit who rebirths us, who empowers us, and he teaches us all things. And so the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all work together in perfect unity. That's why we call it tri-unity. So if someone says, you know, I don't believe in the Trinity because the Word's not found in there, you can just say back to them, well, I don't believe in you because your name's not found in there. Just because the name Triunity or Trinity is not found in the, the Bible doesn't
doesn't mean that the concept isn't. We're just using that concept, that concept, that word, uh, that rather we're using that word to describe the concept which is in the Bible, the Father and the Son working together. And I say that so you can understand this. Get this. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every what? Branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. So how many branches are in Christianity, in the kingdom of God? Many, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, you're a branch. You're not the vine and you're not the gardener. You are a branch. And God is using Jesus, the Father is using Jesus to give us this wonderful, wonderful illustration. If you've ever seen a vineyard or if you've seen a pit, or been to one or seen a picture of one, you understand what's going on here. The vine has the branches sprout from it. And then from those branches come the fruit. And Jesus is saying here that every branch that is in him, the vine, that is not bearing fruit, who is cutting off? The Father. The Father is cutting them off. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus is saying to the disciples, you're clean, you're right with me, you're good because you have already believed what I have been teaching you. And this is very key to understanding John's gospel. John speaks about the beginning of the word. uh, uh, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So his gospel begins with the beginning, and the word is already there. And then he explains how the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and he did this for a purpose so that he can redeem us, so that he can bring us into the kingdom, that we can be children of God, and that we, watch this, here's where it gets deep, so that we can have union with God. Notice the illustration here, branch and vine, branch and vine. The branch and the vine in their connection is indistinguishable. I mean, we could say, here's the branch, here's the vine, as that, you know, that, that, that connection is there, but as you go deep, Deeper. Where really does the vine and the branch d- become two separate things? Because it just flows right out of it. Now, this doesn't mean that we all become God, but what it says is that our connection to God is going to be so intimate that where he begins and where you end and where you end and he begins, it's almost going to be indistinguishable because this is why he made us and created us, that he might have relationship with us. That's why so often when you're reading uh, the book of Psalms or you're, you're reading the prophets, it's, it's hard to tell, is it God speaking first and then the prophet repeating, or is it the prophet speaking because God is speaking to his heart? Now, I know we don't have that same level of inspiration, but how many of you have had a, a long enough relationship with God where your voice and his voice sound similar? where you begin to hear his voice as your voice. He is not speaking to you in the voice of Charlton Heston or of Morgan Freeman. He is speaking to you in your voice, in your thoughts, and you're beginning to to realize like, man, I think a lot like God, or God thinks a lot like me. And it can be scary if you don't have the word as your foundation because you can lead yourself off into a cult somewhere. But I'm talking about strong Bible-believing Christians. You begin to become so one with Jesus that it's indistinguishable to where you start and he ends and he ends and begins in your life. Are you listening? He's in you and through you and all around you. And he's saying to the disciples, you are clean. So as clean as Jesus is, you 
are by the righteousness of Jesus. This is what we believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says we're new creations in Christ. And then in verse 21 it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. I like the way Athanasius, the church father, said it. He became what I was so that I could become what he is. Come on, say it again. Jesus became what I was, sinful, that I might become what he is, righteous. He did this so that we might be brought in, that he might clean us. So if you're in Christ today, you are not dirty. Your default position is righteous and holy. Now look at number four, remain in me. Somebody say remain in Jesus. There's where we get the concept of faithfulness. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. So he says remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit fruit by itself. That's obvious, right? A branch is just not going to lay on the ground and bear fruit. When we see a branch on the ground, we know it's dead. It's ready to be burned in the fire. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. When you are faithful, God will make you fruitful. When you know who God is, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you see that the Father so loved the world, people like you and I, that he sent his Son so that you and I could be in his Son and have a relationship with him and be clean for the purpose of bearing fruit, you will see that as what you are to be committed to. When you, when you see that as something you're to be committed to, you will bear fruit and, produce, and have blessings in your life that you and I can never imagine. We will see God transform our lives into fruitful vines. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Repeats himself. Says it again. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear how much fruit? Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is the thing that becomes deceiving in our culture. When we see a Bill Gates that doesn't go to church and he's producing things, we're thinking, well, what's going on here? He's producing nothing that will last. He is not producing nothing that will last. Do you have to get this? Everything he's producing right now will not last in the kingdom of God. It's nothing but dust. A computer program, what is that? That's already information you just can delete. And how many know it gets corrupted all the time? Anybody using Microsoft here? It always gets viruses. You, you see, these things are incomplete. So it looks like fruit to the unspiritual mind. Well, look at his money. What is money? Money comes and goes. Money loses its value based on economies, right? And so we, we say in the, in, in, in the church world that we are blessed by the best, but then the world looks back at us and says, well, you Christians still look broke. You don't have as much as we do. And then sometimes we get intimidated by that. My friends, listen to me. We are storing treasures in heaven that are going to be on on earth for eternity. Amen? We believe that. We are storing up treasures for an everlasting community that's going to be coming upon this earth. The community of God, the church of God, the new Jerusalem, the city of God is what we are setting our minds towards. And that doesn't mean that we're of no earthly good. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. Sometimes people say, Christians, you're so heavenly minded. You're of no earthly good. No, I want to be like Jesus who was so heavenly minded he changed the earth for good. So we want to have the understanding that when we put everything in the perspective of of eternity will truly bear fruit that lasts. When we are faithful in the kingdom of God, he will make us fruitful and our fruit will remain because without him, literally, we can do nothing. 
And so I would say back to Bill Gates, even as he's creating a little bit of something that eventually turns into nothing, I would say back to Bill Gates, try doing that without the brain God gave you. Try doing that without the earth he created. Try doing the things that you're doing right now without the mind and the logic of God. So like the old uh, you know, story goes, the devil says, I can do this better than you, God. And, and, and God says, okay, well, I'll let you try to create uh, people and a uh, world and all of that. And the devil goes, good, I'm going to show you I can do it better. And then what does God say to the devil? Start with your own dirt. Start, start from nothing, and let's see you come to something. The devil, even himself, is a creation of God. He cannot create ex nihilo. He cannot create out of nothing. All the devil does is recreates or destroys what God has already made. The devil has no creative power on his own, but God speaks those things that are not as though they were. I believe in the Big Bang because in the beginning, God said it, and bang, it happened. Are you listening? God creates. God makes. And so God has the power. And why is, it, why is it that we experience evil at times? Why is it that there are bad things upon this earth? It's because upon God's earth, in God's creation, he gave us choice. And because of our wrong choices, we are reaping what we have sown. But there is coming a time where he will get rid of all the evil, including you, if you're evil. And then he's going to recreate the earth. How many want the evil taken out of you before you get thrown out with the evil trash? Everybody's like, God, rid the world of evil. And God says, okay, I'll start with you. And you're like, hold on, no, wait, wait, wait. Well, yeah, evil resides in hearts. Evil doesn't reside in this wood. Evil is here because of our evil. And so if you want the evil to be rid of this earth, let God rid the evil of your heart. And you'll certainly enjoy when he recreates the earth. Don't get thrown out with the evil trash. You're not made to be trash. You're made to be in the image of God. You're made to be a branch in the vine of God. And if you're not one, become clean by being born again. Just as John chapter 3 verse 3 says. Moving on in verse 6 here. It says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is why I cannot believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. Notice the terminology here. If you do not remain in me, is, is he talking to people who are unsaved or saved at this moment? Who is the you? Saved. He's talking to the you that he just said are clean. He's talking to them. It's clear. So unless he changed subjects to a backslider, unless he changed to talking to Mary Lightfoot or something, and we do need to pray for her salvation, the you is the disciples he's been talking about that are clean. Notice the next indication here. If you do not remain in me, because he's already said you are in me now. He knew that they were in him, but now watch. He said, then you'll be like a branch thrown away and withers. Everybody get this. Thrown away and withers. Well, if you, and I hear people say this from the once save, always save crowd. They'll say, well, it's not that people can, you know, lose their salvation. It's that there are false confessions of faith. And so we think they're saved. They're coming to church. They're making those confessions, but they're really not saved. God knows who they are. And then at some point, their true fruit comes out. We see them now confess they're not saved or backslide, so forth and so on. And so what we're seeing from our perspective may look like a person lost a salvation or backslid, but in reality, they were never saved to begin with. You ask that kind of person, whether they come from a Baptist background, a Reformed, Presbyterian, etc. background, ask them this question. Are sinners by default flourishing branches or withered branches? What is a sinner by default? A withered branch or a flourishing branch? By default, what are sinners? 
withered. They're already withered. They are already dead. They are already condemned. They are already prepared for the fire. Unless God intervenes and saves them, they are already headed for destruction. But what happens here? In the present tense, you are thrown away, and then what happens? Withers. How much more withering can you get if you're already withered? How much more dead can you get if you're already dead? You, do you understand? It doesn't follow the context. The you is the disciples. They're a flourishing branch. And in the present, if you do not remain faithful in Christ, you will be cut off, thrown out, and wither. In the present, you will wither. Sinners are already withered. It would make no sense to say to a withered branch, you're going to be cut off and then wither in the present. You've never been brought in. Do you get it? Does everybody get the sense and logic of this? And so we have to hold them true to the word of God. Now, once again, everybody get this. Does this mean that because we don't believe in eternal security in the sense of that we cannot walk away from Christ, does that mean we're not secure in Christ? Absolutely not. I am 100% secure in Christ. No one can take me out of his hands. The devil can do no harm against me. The Lord puts a hedge of protection upon me. The thing that he started in me, he will bring to completion. Every one of those promises are yes and amen because we do not lose salvation like my wife loses her cell phone. It's not a whoopsie. This is very clear. The person who is cut off and withered is the one who is not faithful. That's why the Bible says fight the good fight. That's why Jesus said when he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? He said to be faithful in his parables about the servants. And so we are just to continue to choose him in our hearts to choose him. What is faith? Faith is a choice to trust God. You are choosing to trust God. And it doesn't say here, if you lack faith at a certain point or you sin or something goes wrong in your life that you're automatically in and out, in and out, in and out. No, it's simply saying if at any point once you're in, you want out, God says you can go out. He says, if you remain in me, my words will remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear how much fruit? Much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now just go up to the top before I introduce our speaker for the rest of it. Everybody in the passage, please, everybody is going to have the shears brought to them in this parable or in this analogy or metaphor rather. Those who are in Christ and are faithful, they will be pruned to bear more fruit. So as you are faithfully abiding in Christ, he's going to prune an attitude here. He's going to prune an attitude there. Nudge your spouse if you're sitting next to him or your children. Come on. He's going to prune you. Look at him and say, he's going to prune you. Yes, he's going to prune an attitude here, an attitude there. He's going to prune a, be a behavior, a mindset. But if you do not let him prune you to have you bear more fruit, he's going to cut you off. So either way, as the Bible says, you're going through the fire, either the fire of continual purification and, and that cutting away of your sin and the burning away of your sin, or the fire of God's judgment. And so we as Christians, as I finish my point here and get ready for the preacher to come, I can't wait to introduce him. As I finish this point here, we have to remain faithful. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what ups and downs you face, stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. You may look at your life sometimes and say, I feel overwhelmed. Well, in those times, ask God to prune you. 
to prune out impatience that you think it has to go your way for you to serve God. Say, Lord, take away this idea that I have we're bartering here like at a pawn shop. God, I'll go to church if everything feels good in the morning, or God, I'll serve you if all my friends like you. No, ask God to prune those things away so that you can be faithful even in the times of hardship. And as you're bearing fruit, everybody get this. Never think you don't need the vine now. Oh, I'm bearing fruit. I got a job. Oh, I got a wife or a spouse now. I don't need to come to church. I don't need to go to the Bible study. God, I'll take it from here. No, the Bible says if you don't remain in him, you're going to get cut off and thrown in the fire because without him, you can't do anything. And so it's so sad when I see Christians come into Christ, broke, busted, and disgusted, and now in Christ, they become blessed, and they're not the, head, uh, the tail, now they're the head, they're not below, they're, uh, now they're above, and all of these things. And then they turn their back on God. They see all this fruit, and they start worshiping the fruit instead of the gardener and the vine and the Holy Spirit, who I believe flow all, throws through all of that. Instead of worshiping God, they start worshiping that fruit. Oh, here, look what I have in my life. But then what happens? It withers up. The marriage begins to fail. The job, instead of blessing them, now becomes a curse. And the things that they were once having an imbalance in their life, the fruit that was once a, a blessing to them is now eating away at them. And so remain in Christ on good days, remain in Christ on bad days, remain in Christ when people like you, remain in Christ when they don't like you. Continue to serve him and mark his words, mark Jesus' words. You'll be able to look at your life as a testimony and see the fruitfulness of what he's done in you. Can I get an amen? Amen. I have had the honor and privilege of meeting uh, Ricky Castor during this uh, conference. He's one of my favorite preachers already. Would you stand to your feet? Give it up for a brother from another mother. Came all the way from New Orleans to Shreveport, from the south all the way up to here to preach in Chicago. He was with the brothers and sisters in front of the mayor last night. He started it off preaching, and he's going to continue about being faithful and fruitful. Bless the Lord, man of God. God Give, give your pastor a hand, praise, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God bless y'all. Y'all, please forgive me. We've been up all night long. We, I mean, our, our friends and family didn't get out of jail until about 5 o'clock this morning. So I'm, I'm actually, my energy is from yesterday or, yeah, I mean, I'm serious. I had four hours of sleep for the past two days. So, so believe me, please forgive me if my brain's moving a little bit slow. <laughs> but um, um, this, is, this is a very right now word that we have to remain faithful. This, uh, the scriptures, I think y'all read it this morning, that a steward is to be found faithful in God because God is faithful because he's faithful. And we got to remember that the Lord, he's called us unto himself. And the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this present world. We're, we are one in Christ. We are in him. It's in, 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 it's in him that we live, it's in him that we move, and it's in him that we have our being. We can do nothing without him. So as we are in him, we have to continue to remain faithful. I, it, kind of, it kind of reminds me, uh, when, as you was preaching, and it just kind of started coming to me, you know, Second Peter 1 and about 5 goes on down, and it says, And besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. You know, so I, 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 like, I read the King James Version, so please forgive me if I don't quote it verbatim. Amen, amen. Thank you. Um, so it says, add to your faith virtue, virtue to knowledge, knowledge to temperance, temperance to patience, 
patience, the godliness, godliness to brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. It says, if these things be in you and they abound, I don't want to seem like I'm preaching to the choir because y'all some fire, y'all some fire baptized believers in this house. Man, God has done a great work in you all, man. It's, it's amazing. You, you guys bless me just at the sight of you because you can see your present fruit. When we come up in this house, you can see the present fruit in your praise and in your worship. And then, and then at work laboring with y'all this past weekend, man, it's just so been so fruitful and full of the spirit. And I have to say this because you don't get that everywhere. You don't see that everywhere when you're just free in Christ. There's so much fruit. I just I bless the Lord just thinking about you guys, just, just being here. It's a blessing, sincerely. But we have to make sure that in the things in this world that we remain faithful. And that's why I believe Peter wrote this letter saying, you, you, as you're having faith, you're going to have to add something to it. I've met too many Christians who say, well, you know, I just believe God and, you know, and, and then nothing else. I've had, since I began to preach the gospel, I had more Christians come against me than unbelievers. And it's a shame. It's really a shame. I'm like, do, are you really reading? Are you getting what you need out of the word of God? Is Christ in you the hope of glory? Are you studying to show yourself approved unto God? A workman needing not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? Are you studying before God. So I want to finish that scripture. He said, um, uh, add to your faith virtue, virtue to knowledge, knowledge to temperance, temperance to patience, patience to godliness, godliness to brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you, you should never be barren or unfruitful, 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 unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, all of this is hinged on adding to your faith. All this is hinged on adding to your faith. If you do these things, you shall never be barren. As the man of God talked about the vine, he talked about the vine and the branches and producing fruit. There's still something that we must do even though we abide in the vine. We abide in the vine, but we have to add unto ourselves the word of God. We have to add unto ourselves these things. We have to add to our faith as we're believing in God, as we're connected to God. We're adding to these things. And we will never, the Bible says, never be unfruitful. That's the word. I believe his word. We will never be unfruitful. In the face of wind blowing, in the face of, uh, of turmoil, in the face of floods, we will never be unfruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I noticed, um, I remember all the time, everywhere, I kept hearing people saying that people, my people are destroyed for a, for a lack of knowledge, right? Read that scripture. And I was like, Lord, okay, you said my people are destroyed of a lack of knowledge. And I kept hearing people saying, you know, because a person lost a job, somebody will quote, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Or because somebody um, lost a shoe or something, something foolish like that, Right? And so I had to go back and look at that in the scriptures. I can't right now quote it right now because my brain is mush right now. But, but thank you, Hosea. And, and, the, and the Lord answered that question. The, the, the lack of knowledge has always been identified by the 
work, by their works, by what they were doing in the land. It testified because of lying, because of murder, or blood touches blood. They, they break out and blood touches blood because of adultery, because of, because of sin. That was identifying of having a lack of knowledge. Sin identified of having a lack of knowledge. Sin. And because of their sins, because they were living lawless, because they were just doing any kind of thing, God said, then he says, okay, my people destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Because you, you act like you don't understand or you have the lack of knowledge that I have to judge unrighteousness. I have to judge unrighteousness. And this is why we as evangelists are taking the standpoint that we're taking. This is why we're standing as boldly as we know how to stand. This is why we don't mind controversy. Because people sincerely are out here with a lack of knowledge. Because God has to, because he's justice, because he is faithful, he will judge all sin in the earth. He has to, because he's a just judge. And, and, and we, we see through the scriptures where, oh, in the beginning, where Abel's blood cries out. Do, you, do we think that that has ceased? It hasn't ceased. Innocent blood is crying out. It's crying out before God. It's crying out. And God has to judge. And it's one thing that's always convicted me. I said, Lord, when I was, you know, when, when I was caught up and I had to, get, had to go through some deliverance, when I was caught up uh, or, or when some Christians have done something bad things to me and I had a hard time with forgiving them right away because they didn't ask for forgiveness. It was a hard thing. They didn't ask to be forgiven, so it was a hard thing, and I had, to, I had to stay on my face. God, help me. Sometimes we go through some hard situations. Some hard, somebody touched my child. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm, I'm crying. I'm crying out, Jesus. Somebody tell, I got, see, my, 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 that's my family right here, my, my family right here, my wife and my, my children. God bless you. Honor to my wife. Um, but, you know, as a man and as a father, you know, it's a hard thing to live in this present world, and something happens to my babies. That, that's one of my fuel against the BLM and unrighteous judgment and, and this, what's going on in the government and why we want to stand boldly even for your state, Chicago. I used to live in North Chicago, and, and, pra- and they're going against God's church, and, and they're backing up these people that want to get in, engage in pedophiles. I, I don't know what I would do. I believe God. I love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But I don't know what I would do put in a situation if somebody touched my babies. I don't know what I would do. And so I pray against that. But the one thing I will do, I will stand. I will seek to produce the fruit of righteousness. Not only for myself, but for others. So as, as we see in scripture, it's always been identified with practicing sin. If I, you know, if I have the knowledge of draw, why drywall, I mean, drywall, thank you. That's not going to save me. That's not going to deliver nobody. That's not the knowledge that God is talking about, but it's the knowledge of him. So it says, you should never be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and have forgotten that he was purged 
from his old sins. It go, doesn't that go connect right back with the same scripture that 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 my that my father is a husbandman and he purged every branch that's in me that bears no fruit, my father taketh away, and the ones that bear fruit, my father purges it. So when we're in him, we're purged in him. When we're when we're bearing the things, when we're when we're making sure that we're being nourished in the Lord. That's why the Bible says to desire the sincere milk of the Lord that you may grow thereby. That you can grow in Christ. That we continue to grow. Tomorrow is the same faith I have today because we move from faith to faith. I'm growing in Christ. We're growing in Christ. We're, we're, we're not just trying to learn by knowledge but by lifestyle. But by lifestyle, because I noticed that the gospel is something not not just just to be talked about. It's not something just for me to be preaching because I could sit here and preach to you and then go out and do something different. That hurts the gospel that came out of my mouth. That, That doesn't help the gospel. It hurts the gospel. So so when people hear us, they not only want to hear us, they want to see us. Because how else do they see the fruit? The Bible says, we we know the scripture says, they will know you by the fruit. You are known by your fruit. What are you producing? When, when 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 I talk to you, when I shake hands with you, what fruit am I biting of? You have a bad attitude. Is that is that the fruit that you want people to see? When, 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 when we speak in foul language, is that the fruit that we want people to see? We had a bad day on the job, mad at the wife. I'm not mad at the wife, but mad at the wife. <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a real a true thing. When the wife is upset, the whole house is upset. We're going to make sure that the wife is good. The wife is good. I love my wife. That's, that's my one number one supporter. I bless the Lord for her. But we want to make sure that we produce that fruit. We should not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see or far off, and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. Make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, what does the next thing say? You shall never fall. Man, I remember this song. I hated this song. Y'all might know the song. I ain't going to sing it. I got my voice all toe up. We fall down. I can't stand this song. I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. It, it, It's a pet peeve. I just get upset at it because it's contrary to what the scriptures say. I believe in the power of God. I'm not, I, don't, I refuse to be someone that have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Jesus Christ paid for it. He didn't suffer the death of the cross for me to bow down to sin. He didn't, he didn't suffer all he suffered. He, you know, we, we ought to feel ashamed when we mess up. We, know, we understand that we have an advocate with the Father. We understand that. We have, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. That Jesus Christ, the righteous, is faithful and true to forgive us of our sins. We understand that, but we can't keep staying there. We can't be bent there. We understand what repentance means. We understand what repentance means. Repentance is to lay it. The Bible says to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset you. Lay it aside. And run for the race, which we are called. We're called. We're called to be holy. You know that. We, you, I know we, we're a house full of holy folks. You're called to be holy. 
You're called to be holy. So where we're called, the Bible says that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There's no such creature as a holy sinner. No such. No such. Because we, we're preaching the gospel that we preach the same gospel that we must be born again. So if, if we're preaching we must be born again, we know that we sincerely have to be born again. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. Now I'm a run, forerunner for Christ. I, I, I wish I could give as a long testament. I was, I was an agent of the devil before salvation. Agent of the devil because of my circumstances and situations, because of becoming a product of our environment. And, and, I've, oh, and now that I'm saved, I said, Lord, I want my children to grow up in a righteous household. You know what I mean? I, I, I grew I mean, it was bad. My dad was on crack. My mother was in the military. Just real quick. My mother did the best she could. But because the father was not being a father, because the man was not being a man, he was doing something else different that made a whole house go to shambles. Whole house. When the, men, when the husband and the father is not in place where he's supposed to be, it destroys a lot of things. God, that's why God is our father. He's faithful. He's our father. He's our father. If you're, when, you're, when our father's unfaithful, our father in heaven will stay faithful. He will stay faithful. He will stay faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he'll stay faithful. But we have to make sure that we remain faithful. We remain in him. We remain connected. We remain. We remain and be sorrowful if we do mess up. So that way, we can never fall. We can never fall. We don't have to fall. There's so many people that are falling to the left. We know the scripture says, the Bible says, in the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We don't want to be a part of that group because we understand that that group is going to have a problem in the day of judgment. We understand that. We understand that that group that fall away to diverse lust and die, all this stuff, we understand that they're going to have a problem. But we want to make sure that we make our call and election sure. We're going to stay. We're going to stay on my post. I'm going to stay on my post. I'm gonna, as long as I can, I'm going to stay on my post. And you know what? Not only that we can we stay on our post, but the Lord is our keeper. He's our helper. We really, as believers and God's anointed, have no excuse. Because the Bible says we're kept by the power of God. Now, how powerful is the power of God? Come on. Come on. How powerful is the power of God? We know it's not by my might. It's not by my might. It's not by my strength. It's not my authority. It's not by my name. But, but, the, but there's no other name given unto men whereby we must be saved. It is the power of God unto righteousness. The power of God who is able to transform us from children of darkness into children of light and be those light bearers. Jesus Christ said, for this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And I know that your deeds are not evil because you're made rot in Christ. You, you have come to the light, and your deeds have been manifested towards God, and we've been made right in God. Not that we make ourselves right, but we've been made right in God. And now we're on our post looking to make others right in God. I don't want to be too long. The, the scripture tells us to encourage one another. I remember the scripture says, if, if any one of you err from the faith, and one convert him, let him know that he have saved a soul from death and have covered a multitude of sins. So we have to continue 
to contend for the faith. Continue to contend for the faith. We sharpen one another in Christ so that way we can stay sharp out here in the streets. We understand that there's an unseen enemy called the devil that's looking to take us out. As one of our sisters say, we can't play fussies with the devil. We can't play fussies. We have to stay, keep ourselves pure. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I just wanted to encourage you with these words. As our, our brother and his sister, they, they finally got out of jail. They, you know, they, they're getting some rest right now. <laughs> and our sisters, they'll be here this evening. Uh, come on, come on, man of God. God bless you. God bless you. We're supposed to be on the, um, was, Vinny, God bless you, Vinny. God bless you. I'm sorry. God bless you. God bless you. I, I just, again, I, I'm sorry I wasn't uh, too hyped. Like I said, I'm kind of, I'm kind of low. I'm kind of low. I'm sitting. I'm telling you, I'm putt putting right now. I'm putt putting. I'm, I'm getting some energy, uh, but I, I, but we we have to love one another in sincerity and truth, and continue in the faith, and not get weary in well doing. The Bible tells us to cast not away your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. It has a great recompense of reward as we are continually to set our treasures in heaven where the robber and a thief cannot steal. Let's have an expectation and be bold in Christ because God is faithful. He said, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get weary. Hold fast. Continue to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold unto eternal life. You might be going, there's somebody that might be going through and undecisive whether you're going to be all in. I, I just feel it. There's somebody here that's undecisive. You're in a place where you don't know if you want to be all in. Let me encourage you. Don't worry about the stuff that you're holding on to. Everything we know, the Bible says, that we see, touch, taste, and smell, the elements are going to burn with fervent heat. That's the Bible says. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall by no means pass away. He's faithful. He's faithful to us. He was faithful for us, and he will continue to be faithful in us as we are faithful to him. Bible says that we're workers together with Christ and the thing is all you got to do is just give it over if you don't mind please stand with me amen 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 listen if you have any struggles any issues that you have a hard time letting go and you may be fighting in yourself or asking yourself why can't I be faithful we know the Bible says to confess your faults one towards another and pray for one another that you might be healed. There's some of us that might be going through some situations or some circumstances because you're not ready to confess it. Healing is in the confession of your lips. Jesus says with your lips 
you shall be justified. And some people with their lips, they shall be condemned. God loves you and he's faithful if you just turn it over to him. We're not, we're not separated from God to where we can't give it to him. If you just turn it over to him, he'll take over the rest. I didn't clean myself. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that cleansed us. And it purged us from all unrighteousness of the flesh and of the spirit. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you need prayer, this is your time to come. Amen. Let's have the band and altar workers come. My brother's going to stay up here as well. If your wife wants to come and pray too, we're going to pray for you. I don't know if you notice this, but street preachers make the best preachers. Did you, did you notice he quoted about 20 scriptures from memory? That's amazing, friends. I'm telling you, I have a lot of friends that are pastors that can't do that. That comes from being on the streets, being where the people are at. If you have ever paid me any compliment as being a great preacher, I've cut my teeth on the streets and I stay out there to be in the things of God. Sister, you can come up here. We're going to pray for you today. Would you just put up that slide and maybe, Desi, something in the spirit, or I don't know, uh, Jerry, just something in the spirit that says, God, I will be faithful, and I know you'll make me fruitful. Come on, something, just sing it out like that, just in the spirit, and then we'll start praying. And if you want to come now, even start to come. Even, even Tisa, come join us up here. We have our missionary. And as you come to these altar workers, we'll dismiss in just a moment. Tisa, come around and stay up here for a moment. But you come to these altar workers. Let them start to pray first, and then we'll come up behind them. But whatever you're going through right now, let God make you faithful to be fruitful. Come on, don't be tired this morning where you can't come to these altars. If I wasn't holding this mic, I would be at these altars right now. Who really can say, I don't need more faithfulness to be more fruitful? Come on, you should fill these altars. Please do it on your own, saints, before I call you up. I want to see a church that's hungry for God because I'm going to start calling you up in just a moment. We need to flood these altars. We need to flood these altars. If any of my elders and deacons have not yet come up to these altars yet, you need to be here. Any 101 or 201 students, if you have not come up here, you need to come up here. I'm telling you, do not be moved by hype today. You need to learn how to be hungry and respond to the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for at least listening to what I feel God is saying. Now that you're up here, would you raise your hands until we dismiss? We're going to start praying for you. Tisa, start to pray for them. Brother Castor and your wife, please start to pray for them. Even as our altar workers are praying, you guys can just start to make your way around. Thank you, Jesus. We'll dismiss in a little bit. Oh, Lord, we pray for fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Come on, let me lay hands on you guys. Lord, we pray for fruitfulness. We pray, God, you'll bless them. Faithful, fruitful, faithful, fruitful, faithful, fruitful. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Do it, God. 